All right, guys, what's going on? My name is Brian Chairs, the host of Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, the podcast. Um, I was going to wait until this Friday's episode, episode 11, uh, to talk about the AEW Revolution pay-per-view from last night, but I just couldn't wait. I have so many thoughts on this show. Uh, Let's just get right into it. Uh, First off, I want to say I was really, really, really excited for this show. Um, uh, AEW's pay-per-views always are entertaining. They are always uh, exciting, and they're always something that I'm uh, looking forward to. Uh, I've paid for and bought every single one of them. Actually, I went to my friend's house for a couple of them, but uh, the last couple ones I've bought, um, spent my money, had to see them. They were must-see, can't-miss shows. Tonight's show was probably the most excited I was for an AEW view, maybe even a wrestling pay-per-view in a long time. But I think that it it had its moments, all right? It, it had its moments, but overall, I felt a little disappointed with the overall show. And I'm not just saying uh, that because of the, uh, you know, the... the finish at the end of the show uh, how how the pay-per-view ended but i feel like throughout the whole show it kind of felt like it dragged um it went over four hours which you know that's always a problem with wrestling shows now i granted aew can get away with it a little more than like wwe can because they only have pay-per-views four times a year so that's okay in a sense but i still think you know under four hours would be best for any kind of wrestling pay-per-view um you know that sweet spot is probably like three three and a half hours um but i get it at this show a lot of these feuds have been going for a while and you want to give these matches time uh to breathe and everything like that but i still think it went a little too long some stuff in the middle dragged on a little bit um and we'll get to that we'll get to that but i guess let's start with the ending I feel so bad for everybody involved with this, uh, especially Eddie Kingston. So uh, that's my main problem with the ending, right? You know, obviously it wasn't visually appealing. The ring didn't explode as they say, uh, as like, you know, they were hyping up throughout the match and all, but it is what it is. Like it, it, it happened. It is what it is. The problem is, Eddie Kingston selling it like he just died. Uh, I get it. His head was down and he didn't see it himself. He just heard the explosions going off. He probably thought it looked a lot better on TV than it actually did. But somebody needs to communicate with him. Uh, The referee or the medics when they got in there, somebody from the back needs to communicate to him that, you know, it was a miss. And he doesn't sell it like that. He could get up and act shocked like that was all that it was. Or, you know, uh, uh, however. But to sell it like he just died. And it's not his fault. I'm sure, like, that was the plan. He was told to do that. And, you know, that's understandable. But that's where the disconnect is with me. It's one thing if they just, you know, that was the presentation. And then Moxley and especially Kingston, you know, didn't sell it. Like they just died essentially, but 
that's where my problem was. Um, I know on the post show, uh, the post call or whatever they do, uh, Tony Khan mentioned, you know, that Kenny Omega didn't rig the bomb right. And I, I believe Moxley said that, you know, to the live crowd after the match as well. Uh, so it looks like they're trying to pivot and blame it on Omega. You know, that's, that's, that's fine. I think on Wednesday, you know, they need to come out and uh, say Eddie Kingston went into shock uh, at the thought and the noise of the explosion. Just his adrenaline was so high that he, he went in shock. Um, and that's why he played it off uh, how he did. But they have to pivot with something. Um, you just can't present that and uh, roll with that. You just can't make it seem like Kingston or Moxley were seriously injured because of that, because everyone saw it was a complete and utter failure. Um, and it's unfortunate because the match was really good. I did not know what to expect going into a barbed wire, exploding barbed wire death match. Uh, I'm not a death match fan. I, that was actually the first one I've watched in its entirety. Uh, but I was entertained. I really, really enjoyed it for what it was. Uh, I was on the edge of my seat uh, up until that first explosion where Moxley went into the barbed wire. I was like a little nervous even for hoping these guys didn't get seriously hurt. Uh, and, you know, uh, everything that's been reported says nobody seriously got injured, which was great. But, uh, you know, the explosions when Omega and Moxley went into the ropes were awesome. Uh, the explosion, even the paradigm shift off the apron onto the the uh, was it like the the wood board of barbed wire on the floor that was awesome as well. Everything in that match was really, really good, really well done up until the finish. And um, I'd even say, you know, the Good Brothers coming out, yeah, I could have done without it. I get it because of the story that they're trying to tell with Omega and the Good Brothers and all, but uh, I didn't think it was necessarily. But you know. Despite all that, the match was really good. I was really entertained. I really liked it. And uh, it's just really unfortunate that that ending is how it'll end. Uh, I saw a tweet by Bully Ray of Busted Open and uh, obviously the Dudley Boys. Um, he said, the only thing they remember is the finish or something along those lines. And he said that uh, Vince McMahon was quoted as saying that. And man, is that ever true? Just because I didn't fully enjoy the pay-per-view, I thought it dragged at times, uh, doesn't mean like other people, still a good pay-per-view. It just wasn't, you know, one of the best ones AEW has ever produced, in my opinion. But, you know, I'm sure there are people who love the pay-per-view. But unfortunately, everyone is going to look back at AEW Revolution 2021 for that botched ending. And, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe on Wednesday they make it right. Like I said, they could say Eddie Kingston went into shock. Uh, it seems like they're going to play it off as Kenny Omega didn't know how to build the bomb. And, you know, that's the reason it was uh, it was so lackluster. But they could pivot here and make it okay. But, man, unfortunately, this show is going to be remembered for that. And hopefully... And I don't think it will. Hopefully in the long run, it doesn't hurt AEW. Um, it definitely takes away, uh, in my opinion, the credibility of an exploding barbed wire death match. I don't think we'll see that again for quite 
some time, if not ever, unfortunately, in AEW. Um, and like I said, it's unfortunate because Omega and Moxley did put on a great match up until that finish. And it's just sad that that's what this show is going to be remembered for. Uh, other things that happened on the show, we had the ladder match. I don't know if ladder matches are have just been done so much over the years that my expectation, but I just feel like some of the stuff we saw in that ladder match, like they just didn't reach my expectations. Um, and, you know, that's probably just me. It's probably just me. Like it was a good match. I don't know how I feel about Cody, you know, being out and then coming back in like I, I never once did I think he was actually going to win the match. Um, I actually on the AEW Revolution pre-show that I did with Jesse Malloy uh, last week predicted Scorpio Sky would win this match and he did, which was awesome. But uh, I could live without Cody, you know, getting taken out of the match, going backstage and coming back and all. Um, I just think, you know, Cody is he's one of, if not the face of the company. And I don't think he needs uh, to be doing that. Um, you know, just, just be in the match and I'm fine with the finish. I'm fine with Cody being like right there reaching for the brass ring, essentially, uh, literally, but I could have done without him. You know, uh, he already has enough sympathy. He's Cody Rhodes, his baby face. Everybody loves him. We don't need him going to the back and coming back. That's just my opinion. Uh, Scorpio sky. He wins the match. He has a shot against Darby Allen uh, this Wednesday uh, for the TNT title on Dynamite. We will talk all about that match, I'm sure, on Friday on the podcast. But this is the start, in my opinion, for Scorpio Sky to turn heel. I think that Scorpio Sky has been a... Uh, he's a star in the making. Uh, I believe at the first AEW-sanctioned event, which I want to say was Double or Nothing in 2019, uh, Scorpio Sky, uh, Chris Daniels, and Kazarian were the first act to come out on the main pay-per-view. And from that second, I saw that. It was my first time ever really watching an SCU match. And from the second I saw that, I thought Scorpio Sky is a star in the making. He... Is going to be a champion one day, and granted, it may not be the uh, AEW world title, but the TNT title, uh, they try to make it just as big and just as meaningful as the AEW world title. So him getting the TNT title, I think, is a great step. Uh, I hope it happens. Uh, as we'll get to in a few minutes here, the uh, Darby Allen is not going to be going into this match in the best shape. Uh, he fell off of three stories and got thrown through a glass window, uh, but we'll get to that. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, I think uh, Scorpio Sky has a really good shot of winning the title on Wednesday, the TNT title, and I think that it will follow up with a heel turn. And I could see a Scorpio Sky Cody going on. Uh, leading to double or nothing with Scorpio uh, beating Cody. But we'll get there. We'll get there. We're still a ways away from that, but I'd like to see it. Um, also in that ladder match, we had Ethan Page, all ego. Ethan Page make his debut. Uh, I'm happy for him. Uh, great wrestler. 
deserves the opportunity. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in AEW. Uh, he was an impact for a while uh, leading up to this. He's been a free agent for a few months now. Now he is in AEW and I'm excited to see where he's going to go. Um, uh, the sky's the limit for him. The sky is the limit. I think uh, tremendous talent and I'm excited to see what he's going to bring to AEW. Uh, we had the tag match, uh, actually two tag matches, uh, the AEW tag titles and the street fight with Brian Cage and Ricky Starks against Sting and Darby Allen. Uh, I, you know, didn't know what to expect from that match. All I was hoping was that Sting and Darby Allen walked away uh, uh, not injured. Uh, seems like that's is the case, which is great. Uh, it wasn't until this pre-show that we did with Jesse that he brought up to me that it might be a cinematic match. And that was the first time I even thought about that. And it turned out to be a cinematic match, which I was okay with. Um, do I want to see Sting wrestle in the ring? <sighs> yes and no. Yes, I think that if he's going to wrestle, he's got to be out in front of the crowd one more time and have like a real official match. I get it if maybe they're holding off until their fans in the building uh i'm okay with that but at the same time i'm a little nervous about sting being in a ring uh the last time he was in a ring he got seriously injured hasn't wrestled for five years uh i'm not saying that'll happen again i'm just saying it's a possibility he is 62 years old so you don't you don't know he's definitely going to be a little more susceptible to injuries <clears throat> so i don't know I, I do i think he deserves to get one more chance it's out in front of the crowd, yeah, and I think that'll happen uh, sooner or later. And uh, overall, though, for the match, for what it was, it was great. Uh, Dar like I said before, Darby taking the bump off the uh, third story of that warehouse. Um, and then, uh, honestly, the spot of the match, that was impressive, but the spot of the match was when uh, Powerhouse Hobbs and Brian Cage swung Darby through that glass window. Man, I uh, uh, that was incredible. And just the way the glass fell on his head afterwards, just just really, really uh, interesting and uh, really cool bump. And uh, like I said, I'm glad he's okay. But uh, Sting and Darby win. I thought, you know, Brian Cage, Ricky Starks probably would have benefited a little more from that win. But you know what? It's Sting's first bat first match back in five years, so I guess it's expected that he gets the win and we'll see where this goes maybe sting versus darby tag team will continue maybe it's going to lead to a sting versus darby match at some point i don't know we'll have to see um looking out looking also through the card here <clears throat> the aew women's title hikaru shida versus ryo mizunami um another good match really good match actually that the finished I, uh, so i get why AEW does it in some of this stuff on pay-per-view. They, uh, well, first of all, in the finish, you know, Sheeta wins. Afterwards, there's a beatdown. Britt Baker, Nyla Rose, they all come out. Thunder Rosa makes the save. It leads to a six-person tag team match on Dynamite this Wednesday. I don't like how AEW builds to their matches on the pay-per-view. Like, ah. Uh, I, I think, like, I, I just wanted to see it, see Sheeta win, maybe do a handshake, maybe even do like a, you know, 
Rio, you know, takes her down or whatever it is, but like to bring out extra more, more talent coming out, getting involved. Um, I don't know. I'm not crazy about it. Maybe do something, you know, shoot something after the pay-per-view and then run it to start dynamite, uh, you know, earlier in dynamite and explain that that's why the, or something backstage, even uh, film something backstage at the pay-per-view. Don't air it on the pay-per-view, just film it. And then on dynamite on Wednesday, you know just air show it then and say oh after you know after the Sheeta match you know Britt Baker jumped her backstage and then Nyla Rose got involved and Thunder Rosa and now it's a six-person tag match uh tonight excuse me something like that I think would be would be better I uh, that's just my opinion but overall great match Sheeta has had I want to say the longest reign of anybody in AEW title reign that is and uh, that's pretty impressive. So uh, I don't know who's going to beat her. It should be Britt Baker. And <clears throat> nothing against Sheeta. It should be as soon as possible. It should have been last night. I, in my opinion, I think Britt Baker should have won the women's eliminator and then had the title match with Sheeta and won the women's title last night. That didn't happen, but we'll go from here, see where we go. Britt Baker should be the next AEW women's champion and hold it for a long time, breaking Sheeta's record. Uh, the tag team title match. Uh, yeah, we'll go there. Uh, Young Bucks versus Jericho and MJF. Young Bucks win. This match started off the show. Um, uh, this was a match where the story was really good. This is kind of like the uh, the whole story of the pay-per-view, in my opinion. The story was really good. And the match was good. The match was good. Don't get me wrong. I don't know if I just was expecting too much. Maybe that's what it is. I feel like... I feel like with AEW, uh, I expect too much, and that's my fault, obviously. But the match was good. I'm uh, I'm happy the Bucks won. I think they need to continue the title reign. Um, I really thought that MJF was going to turn on Jericho tonight. I really did. I thought that tonight would be the night. Uh, it didn't happen. I sent out a tweet saying, you know, I don't want to see this get dragged out too long. And after the match, backstage promo. Jericho, MJF, uh, Inner Circle was there, and Jericho said there needs to be some changes uh, within the Inner Circle. MJF looking really serious, really angry, staring a hole right through Jericho, just shook his head and said, yeah, I agree, there need to be some changes. And they're going to have an Inner Circle meeting on Wednesday on Dynamite. This is going to be where the split happens, I think. Uh, I thought it would have been last night. Didn't happen. I think it happens Wednesday on Dynamite. I think uh, MJF turns on Jericho, kicks him out of the inner circle. Like we said on the pre-show, a lot of ways we could go here with who stays with Jericho, who goes with MJF. Sammy comes back. Where's he at? Is it all a plan all along? Sammy is with MJF. Sammy's with Jericho. Hager stays with Jericho. A lot, a lot, a lot of things that could change and happen here. And I'm really looking forward to it. I think that it has to happen Wednesday. I don't want to see it get dragged out anymore. The inner circle needs to break up. Jericho needs to be a baby face. And we need to go from here. MJF, Jericho, singles feud. I know they had a match last year. Um, I want to say at uh, Full Gear, I believe it was. They had a match. MJF won. Uh, you know, Jericho will probably get a win in this feud at some point. But at the end of the day, MJF has to beat Jericho, establishing himself even more 
as a dominant top heel in AEW. Uh, what else we got? Adam Page versus Matt Hardy. Page wins. It was a good match. Felt a little bit too dynamite match, but you know what? It is what it is. I'm curious to see if this feud is over or if they're going to, you know, do backstage promos where Matt Hardy is paying Adam Page because, you know, he owes him his uh, first quarter earnings. A lot of ways can go with this. Me personally, I hope the feud's over. I hope Adam Page moves on to maybe at this point now joining the Dark Order because at the end of the match, you know, private party came in, started to attack him, Adam Page, Brings out the Dark Order. Dark Order, you know, clears house. Page wins. There you go. Page celebrates with the Dark Order at the end. I'm fine with it. Adam Page is on this slow build to the AEW title. Like Jesse and I, I keep referencing the pre-show, guys. Check out our pre-shows. Before every pay-per-view, I drop a pre-show right here on YouTube. Jesse and I speculated that Adam Page could be the person to beat Kenny Omega for the AEW title eventually. Um, I still think that might be where we're going eventually. I don't want to see it anytime soon. I want to see this slow build with Page continue. Um, His match with Matt Hardy, he gets a win over Matt Hardy. Regardless of how Matt has been booked or has come off on AEW, Matt Hardy is a legend. So for Adam Page... Get the win over Matt. Good stuff. And, you know, Matt, it's going to look good in Adam Page's video when the video package they produce when he wins the w, the AEW World Champion. Excuse me. When Adam Page wins the AEW World Championship, his win over Matt Hardy is going to be part of that video package that they produce on him. And I think that's good. I don't want to see this continue. It ended the right way. Page wins. Let's move on. Speaking of the Dark Order, the Casino Battle Royal, um, Ray Phoenix and Pac win it. Uh, Man, I said, again, I said on the pre-show, I felt like Pac should have been in the ladder match and the Lucha Bros should have been together in this match. Um, They weren't. It's Pac and Phoenix. They win. It comes down to Phoenix and Jungle Boy. Really good ending sequence of the match. I was pulling for John Silver, Alex Reynolds. Final four were Pac, Phoenix, Jungle Boy, and John Silver. Really liked the exchange between Silver and Pac. Um, like I said, I really was pulling for John Silver. I thought that this was the Dark Order's time. Um, it didn't happen. Then when he got eliminated, I was pulling for Jungle Boy. I said, you know what? Jurassic Express, it's their time now. Again, didn't happen. Pack and Phoenix win. I guess this will be a good feud. It's going to be a great match for sure. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's going to go through double or nothing. I think it's going to be a little feud for the Bucks for a couple weeks, maybe until like the beginning of April, have that match, and then they'll move on to the next thing. I don't think Pack and Phoenix are winning, but it's going to give us a good match. And who knows? Maybe it's going to turn into out of that lead us to a Pack versus phoenix match going forward which again will be a phenomenal match uh bucks win i don't think it goes much further than that all right let's get to the big hall of fame announcement 
the Hall of Fame announcement, Paul White teased on Dynamite last week and then teased in at the pay-per-view in a backstage segment with Dasha. He said that this person will outwork everyone. And, uh, you know, at that time, the rumors continued to go. Some people thought CM Punk. Some people thought Brock Lesnar. Some people thought Kurt Angle. Originally, I thought Kurt Angle heading into the show. Um, I want to say the day before the show, two days before the show, Kurt Angle put out a teaser video of him, like, uh, you know, putting a singlet, lacing his boots, all that sort of stuff. When I saw that, I said, you know what? Probably not Kurt Angle. I heard some rumors and rumblings that it could be who it turned out to be. And that is the Hall of Fame signing that Paul White announced was Christian Cage, uh, formerly known as just Christian in WWE. All right. After that happened, after it was announced, a lot of people on Twitter and on you know Facebook and Instagram and all over the Internet were not happy with it. Uh, these are the same people who, when Christian returned at the Royal Rumble two months ago, loved it. Thought it was the greatest thing. We're so happy for him. I think this is something AEW does that shoots themselves in the foot. They often announce these surprises and they build them up too much. Now, on one hand, it's their fault. But on the other hand, it's the fans' fault because... Fans, myself included, get these unrealistic expectations that it's going to be something huge. For example, CM Punk. Everybody wants to see CM Punk back in a wrestling ring. CM Punk, even on Twitter, acknowledges, I think he sent out a tweet, said, no, it's not me. I want to say Wednesday night, Thursday morning, after a big show, Paul White announced that he was going to bring somebody to AEW. We got to start maybe taking, and I get people... You know, are working people and they're trying to, you know, throw people off the set and stuff. Sometimes, especially in the case of CM Punk, I don't think he's coming back. I think that if he was coming to AEW, they're not going to announce it beforehand like this. It's just going to be a massive surprise, which is something I think they should have done with Christian. Too many people, myself included, get so hyped up, so worked up over who was who was going to be the surprise like i said people were throwing out angle brock lesnar uh cm punk i even saw john cena like uh, people just keep building it up building it up building it up and then when you send out christian it comes off as a little bit of a letdown christian would be the perfect person who just have him show up don't announce it if they did what they did last night without announcing it you know right before the main event or after the ladder match, whenever it was, you just hit the music and the, t- the countdown goes on. And then Christian walked out there. My God, the place they went, they still went crazy for him. They were still happy to see him, but I think the reaction online would have been a lot better if he just showed up again, maybe not AEW's fault entirely because the fans build it up for themselves. But I think that when you say you have a massive signing and, you know, the wording was always really a little weird, too, because Paul White on Dynamite said a Hall of Fame worthy talent. Um, I know uh, Tony Khan was on Busted Open Radio. He said like a a big, big star or a massive superstar or whatever. No disrespect to Christian. But when you use the terms 
big, big star, massive superstar, Hall of Fame, people get their hopes up. Again, not saying it's right that the people get their hopes up. I'm just thinking AEW should be a little bit more careful who they announce have signed and who they're building up into these big announcements. Christian, amazing signing. I'm happy for him. It's insane that him and Edge are both cleared right now, and it's very, very, very unlikely we will ever see them tag team again. Uh, It's a little sad, you know, people who, like me, who grew up in that area, watched the TLC matches with them, the Hardys and the Dudleys. Uh, um, They both had to retire early, and now here we are, 2021, they're both cleared, but now they're in different companies. Uh, It's crazy, but I totally understand where Christian's coming from. I don't think uh, Vince ever saw anything in him. Unfortunately, they didn't ever see him as a top-tier world champion. Um, so I totally understand why Christian would want to go somewhere where he feels valued. And, uh, you know, AEW, he feels is that place, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, I don't know if he'll ever win the world title. I probably will say no. Um, I also don't really think he needs the world title. Let him come in put over some people, have some good matches, maybe give them the TNT title. I could see that happening, but, uh, you know, we'll have to see how it goes. I'm, I'm excited the Christians in AEW. I just wish that, uh, it wasn't announced as a major, major surprise. I would just have had him show up on revolution. Just going through the card here, seeing if I missed anything that I had some other thoughts on. Um, yeah, all right, so we'll end it with this one. Uh, Miro and Kip Sabian versus Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. Uh, they did the backstage thing where Miro and Sabian attacked Orange and Chuck. Uh, when that happened, I actually thought that this match wasn't actually going to happen. Um, I, I thought that, you know, th- it was a way to speed things up uh, because, like I said, the pay-per-view felt like it was dragging a little bit. That didn't happen happen they went went through with the match nobody got entrances uh you know they miro and sabian beat up uh chuck taylor uh orange cassidy who had gotten slammed on a crate backstage he makes the save kind of how cody rhodes got injured and came out in the latter match orange cassidy got injured backstage made his way out um we had a couple hope spots with orange cassidy hitting the superman punch but at the end of the day miro makes chuck taylor submit uh, you know, Miro should be, and I'm not saying that they're doing anything wrong with him, but I'm, I'm excited for the day in a world title picture. He, you know, severely underused in WWE and now he's in AEW. This is a good place for him to start, but I think we got to get a little bit more. I would have liked to have seen this be more of a squash match. Um, I understand Orange Cassidy really, really over. Maybe you don't want to have him get squashed, but I thought it was great that they took him out backstage, and I thought it would have been perfect. Drag Chuck out to the ring, put him in the, the man. The, it used to be the accolade. I don't know if it still is called that. I want to say maybe Miro says game over. Uh, maybe it's, I don't know, but the accolade, uh, like I said, drag out Chuck, put him in the accolade. He taps out really quick match. Um, doesn't hurt orange Cassidy and, uh, you know, makes makes Miro look like a million bucks. Miro still, still look good, but it, it went a little longer than I thought. But, uh, we did have the spot though, where 
Miro, I want to, yeah, Miro threw Chuck Taylor into Penelope, which caused her to fall off the apron. So uh, there was a little, there teased a little bit of dissension between Kip and Miro, which, you know what, I think could be good. Um, Kip, uh, I don't know. Kip, he, he he's a heel now, but I think Kip could be a real good baby face as well. So maybe turning him and Penelope face to feud with Miro um, might be a good idea. Uh, I just think that, you know, tag match is over. Miro needs to continue his upward trajectory to the world title. Um, he's a ways away because I think Kenny Omega's got a real strong grasp on that title for quite some time here in AEW. But I think that Miro um, in the next couple of years could be AEW champion. And uh, I hope it happens, and I really would like to see it. But, guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode of the podcast. I'll be back this Friday with episode 11 of Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, the podcast. Thanks for listening. You can follow me on social media at TLChairs and at BrianChairs7. Um, Like I said, don't forget to listen to the pod. Uh, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, uh, hit me up on social media. Let me know what you think of this bonus episode and what you thought of AEW Revolution. Guys, Eddie. Hey, guys, listen up. Are you like me and like to collect trading cards? If so, check out our friends at stackofcards.com. That's stackofcards with a Z.com. They are a website that buys and sells vintage trading cards. Whether you like wrestling, sports, movies, or video games, it's all there. They also do pack and box breaks on their YouTube channel. You can find their YouTube channel as well as all of their other social media accounts on their website at stackofcards.com. That's stackofcards with a Z.com. Also, don't forget their website gets restocked every Friday. Just like this podcast releases a new episode every Friday, the website is restocked every single Friday, so there's always new products to buy. And right now, my buddy Dion is going to give you a discount just for listening to this podcast. If you're listening right now to Tables, Ladders, and Chairs of the podcast, Dion is going to hook you up. Just use discount code CHAIRS, that's C-H-A-I-R-E-S, at checkout to save 10%. Don't miss out, guys. Check out stackofcards.com. That's stackofcards with a Z.com for all your trading card needs. And don't forget to use code CHAIRS at checkout.